The first time is Chirp Radio's live lit and music series, recorded at Martyrs in North Center. The theme this round was First Burn. Jen Rourke is up. She's a Chirp DJ. She's really important to the organization. She produces this podcast, which you can see at firsttime.chirpradio.org. She goes by DJ Ninja. You can hear her every Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. She's been with us for eight years. She works at ABC7 as a producer. Guys, big, huge round of applause. Chirp Radio Zone, Jen Rourke! It is nine days before Christmas, and I am about to be broken up with for the first time. You've all seen this movie. Guy and girl date for a long time. One of them's ready to get married. One of them's not. It's got to end. It is shocking to be broken up with. Never mind that we hadn't really been speaking since Thanksgiving. Never mind that I had already signed up for yoga, Habitat for Humanity, and therapy, just in case I had some free time coming. (laughs) Never mind that an hour before the breakup, I told my friend, I'm about to go over and get broken up with. I was shocked when it actually happens. Because when you break up with someone, it's like, it's like watching one of those tidy crime procedurals. Like, it's suspenseful, but you know how it's going to end, right? David Caruso is going to look into the camera like he just satisfactorily ate a baby for breakfast. He's going to take off his sunglasses, put them back on, and then you know, you know that justice has been served. We don't need the follow-through. But getting broken up with, that is like one of those crime dramas that takes an unexpected twist. And the criminal, we know he's the criminal because we saw him commit the murder, but he gets off in court on a technicality, and now it is time for the other characters in the show to exact moral justice. Moral justice, that could be like running him out of town or framing him for a new crime. But in real life, moral justice can take a lot of different forms. Like, in small ways, It could be pouring out the entire jug of tomato juice that your ex left in your fridge and accidentally clogging your sink for three weeks. Um, It could also be dating a really hot rebound boyfriend who eventually steals a bottle of Vicodin out of your medicine cabinet. Although, to be fair, it was a bonus prescription from your elderly dentist, and this is a direct quote, just for fun. (laughs) So we're good. But the best kind of moral justice is like a long-lasting moral justice. I call it Particle Man justice. Because throughout that song, Triangle Man is beating up on every little character. But guess who that song is named after? And I'm reminded of this as I'm walking out of the Wrigleyville apartment after we've had our breakup discussion. And it's the holiday season and it's Wrigleyville, so of course there is a drunk guy trying to topple a red-eye newsstand while singing You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. And eventually he gives up, and I think they had a fight. Red Eye Box won. And I take it as a good omen. Now the next day, I'm going to a birthday party. My friend Trisha, her birthday is Christmas Eve, and you know if you have a friend with a holiday birthday, they gotta get in that request real early for everyone to show up at their party. So I'm going. It's dinner and a movie, it's a girls' night. How bad could it be? We're going to the music box. We're going to see the holiday classic, White Christmas. And we're walking to the theater. It, it snowed, and then the temperature plummeted, so there's all these snow piles that have turned into ice mountains. 
and I decide I'm going to ascend one of these ice piles is the first of many poor life choices that year. And of course, the ice pile collapses underneath me and I fall on top of this mush of snow. And something about that just rattles me. I'm staring at the, at the chaser lights on the marquee of the music box. And I realize that I no longer have someone to pick me up when I fall. And that's not a poetic line. I fall a lot. I need a lot of help. <laughs> but I, I realize I don't, I don't have someone's hand to hold to climb ice piles. And even though this cluster of six girls is around me trying to help me up, I feel more alone than I have ever felt. I realize that at Christmas I'm going to have to explain to 40 relatives why what's-his-name's not there. And I realize that I'm going to be alone on New Year's Eve at midnight for the first time in years. And then I realize I cannot go to my favorite Taco Bell anymore because he lives two blocks away, Wrigleyville Taco Bell, God rest its soul. <laughs> and I'm very upset. So we go to the theater, we go into the movie. Now I have to explain, I have never seen White Christmas. I don't know what it's about, I suspect snow. <laughs> but what I wish, what I wish is that someone had warned me that this movie was made in 1954 and so the goal of practically every character in that movie is to get married. It is like the most soul-crushing piece of content I could have watched at that vulnerable point in my life. I'm in holiday hell. It's like Christmas with the devil, and Danny Kaye is chasing everyone with a flaming pitchfork trying to get them to the altar. <laughs> and watching this movie reminds me of this time when I'm eight, and I went on this carnival ride called the Ring of Fire. And the Ring of Fire is just a train that goes in an upside-down loop over and over and over. And from the ground, it looked like innocuous fun, but I get on the ride and two loops in. I am inconsolably crying. I am bear-hugging the safety bar, and I am screaming for the whole thing to stop. And I feel like we go around this loop a hundred times before the two-minute ride stops. White Christmas is my adult two-hour ring of fire. <laughs> Phil tells Bob, you know, what's left to be gotten won't be worth getting if you don't get married. I cry. They have a fake engagement. I can't even get real engaged. These people are having fake engagements. I cry. There's a, there's a musical number with a half leotard, half wedding dress where she's singing about trying to find a minister and presumably the other half of that wedding dress and I'm fighting back tears. I'm not crying for that nonsense. I even have limits. <laughs> Finally, mercifully, this movie ends when everybody makes out with each other. And that is the 1950s romantic comedy equivalent to the tidy crime procedural ending. We don't need the follow through. We know that making out in 1954 equals marriage, quitting your job, and having nine babies. Now the next year of my life would go by about as slowly as that movie. It definitely had its low points. I was not alone for New Year's Eve, however I did fall asleep on the couch from 11.55 to 12.05. Um, I did legitimately see someone severely burned in an apartment fire and in a frenzied panic, I call my ex. Don't do that. 
I sign up for online dating for the first time and then immediately sign off when my worst fear comes to fruition and someone messages me with this question. Didn't we go to college together? Also, don't do that. There are some high points in the year, though. I got drunk on $5 gumball head at Kuma's Corner with my friend Bree, and then we went to the Aragon and watched Weezer play Pinkerton top to bottom. Yeah. Bree was actually really great. She happened to be a newlywed that year, uh, but she was really great at coming up with distractions. Want to atrophy your brain? Here's seven seasons of Sex in the City. Bree, we should go on a Halloween bar crawl through Wrigleyville. So I dress up as a pilot. Of course, we come across a cute boy pilot, and Bree becomes fixated with fixing me up. I did not want to date that boy pilot, though, because he really didn't strike me as the type of person who would steal Vicodin. And I was still 10 months in, full tilt on my poor life choices phase. But I knew it needed to end soon. It had to, because you know what they call a phase after 365 days. A year. That's just how you are now. So I finally, this past Christmas, many years later, I hadn't gone back and watched White Christmas, White Christmas, and I finally go back, and I watch it with my husband. And he has never seen it. So we put it on. I figure I'm going to give it a fair shake. And about 45 minutes in as they're launching into the third rendition of There Were Never Such Devoted Sisters, he looks at me and goes, how long is this movie? Do we have to watch this whole thing? It is awful. Thank you. Particle man, particle man, doing the things a particle can. What's it like? It's not important. Particle man, is he a dot or is he a speck? When he's in the water, does he get wet? Or does the water get him instead? Nobody knows particle man. Triangle man, triangle man, triangle man hates particle man. They have a fight, particle wins, particle man. Universe man, universe man, size of the entire universe man, usually kind of smaller man, universe man, he's got a watch with a minute hand, a neon hand and a millennium hand, and when they meet it's a happy land, eminent man, universe man. Person man, person man, hit on the head with a frying pan, lives his life in a garbage can, depressed or is he a mess or is he totally worthless who came up with person man degraded man person man triangle man triangle man triangle man hates person man they have a fight person
Scott Stevenson. You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.